0: ESPN Radio Sports Center. I'm Doug Brown. Warriors coach Steve Kerr now says Kevin Durant is out for tomorrow night's Game Four of the NBA Finals, still with that right calf strain. Klay Thompson should be able to play tomorrow. Warriors forward Draymond Green.
1: We just got to continue the battle and win the next game. Go back to Toronto, win Game Five. Come back to Oracle, win Game Six. And then celebrate. Fun times ahead.
0: Next is Game 4, and our coverage tomorrow night starts at 8 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ABC, and the ESPN app. After pushing Kyle Lowry of the Raptors and using obscene language during Game 3, Warriors investor Mark Stevens is now banned from all NBA games and Warriors team activities for a year. He will also pay a $500,000 fine. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reports the Nets will trade Alan Crabb and his big contract to the Hawks. That clears salary cap space for the Nets to sign two max contract free agents this summer. ESPN's Adam Schefter reports wideout Jermaine Curse will sign a one-year deal worth under just under $1.4 million with the Lions. He played the last two years with the Jets. Game five of the Stanley Cup final tonight in Boston. The Bruins and Blues are tied at two games each. Bruins defenseman Zidane O'Chara reportedly has a broken jaw. Teammate Matt Grizzlick is hoping to get cleared from the concussion protocol. Both are game time decisions tonight. Baseball finals today. The Rockies beat the Cubs three to one. The Rays over the Tigers six one.
2: Coming up Friday, is this the most up for grabs the NBA title has been in? I don't know five years. We'll get you set for Game Four plus recapping Stanley Cup Final Game Five and the Women's World Cup is here and we are picking teams, baby. Gold can we go Friday six Eastern ESPN Radio ESPN Two TCL
3: is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios TCL America's fastest growing TV brand
2: it's the beer show with chris reavers and mike fratelloni that's right thursday night and there is no time to waste it's an action pack edition of the beer show here on score north and ScoreNorth.com. it's reavers mike fratelloni with fratelloni's ace harbour and garden stores will be back with us again next week but let's get right to it it's time to dig in and get into the weekly beer run with our friends from elevated beer wine and spirits they have the best bottle shops in the Twin Cities. Mike's and that's not just me. That's award-winning, Tom. <laughs> uh, two, two stores, uh, South Minneapolis, Hiawatha and 42nd, and White Bear Lake, Highway 61, 4th Street. Hello, Tom. We
1: we did get some recognition from the Well, and rightfully so. Books. You
2: guys have two badass bottle shops, Thank in you my very opinion.
1: Much. I was going to say, Mike's obviously out golfing right now, right? Of course he is. So we can kind of start to tell as the summer goes along if it's... Stormy will probably have our goal, yeah. So. If there's any chance of rain, we won't see
2: Fred. But you know, if, if, if it's a crystal clear day like it is today, he's going to be on the golf course somewhere. Anyway. That's all right, Mike. So, who are we featuring this week, sir? Yes, we have a great
1: uh, guest as usual. Uh, this is the featured brewery of the month. The beer of the month is uh, Surly, and our we have a killer deal on twelve packs running right now, uh, and we have one of the head brewers at surly ben smith here with us
2: ben welcome back man yeah thanks for having me so when you're the you know one of the brewers at surly is it kind of like when you're you know a member of you know led zeppelin and you can walk around and be like sup ladies or does it not really work that way i like to pretend it's that way
4: uh, <laughs> but it's super glamorous uh like anyone that actually works in a brewery realizes it's just a big food plant, but uh, for right. everyone out there, it's, it's actually really glamorous, it's just like Led Zeppelin. All
2: right, so I have to get into a couple things first before we get into the beer because um, our mutual friend, uh, a contributor to this radio station, Glenn Perkins, was in studio earlier today, and I, you know, he's going to contribute to the beer show, and I said, Hey, Glenn. Why don't you come on? Cerly's going to be on tonight. We, we can chit-chat. Frat's going to be out. Perfect. And we can uh, we, we can talk about all things that you're doing, because I know he helps you guys out and and vice versa. And he said, oh, man, I I got to get to the cabin. And I went, wait, okay, you cool. Know, his
4: work schedule's pretty, pretty tough these days. Then literally five <laughs> minutes later,
2: five minutes later, I see him tweet, at Surly Brewery, just ready to pick up some stuff for the... for the, I was like, you fraud!
4: That's a rookie mistake
2: oh, right there. Oh, Posting yeah. on
4: social media when you're skipping out on work. Uh, Glenn's been great, though. I mean, he's retired, but he's our unofficial intern. Uh, he comes and hangs out with us and brews some beer. We've done uh, three batches of beer with him. Uh, and we're working on another beer that's going to be featured at the State Fair this year. So a little tease Ooh, for that. I'm so. glad
2: you mentioned that because that's where I was going next. I'm not joking when I say this. The closer IPA that he made at the State Fair, and I told him this because he literally walked with me and John Height over to, it was Ballpark, right? Yep, Ballpark, Ballpark Cafe. Cafe. It's a perfect pairing. Holy crap. The, you guys, that was a great beer. I'm, I'm not joking. It was phenomenal. And, I have to admit, it was actually based on one of his original
4: homebrew recipes. Really? So, he, so it was all just, in. He didn't get his deal. hand oh, held through yeah. it and everything? Wow. Yeah, I, he, I thought, he thought for sure he was just
1: uh, window dressing. <laughs> but here's the best part.
4: <laughs> this year, we, we it's a true collab, so we both kind of pitched in, and I think everyone's going to be pretty stoked. It's it's going to be even better.
2: So here Ooh. was the best part. This was, I, I believe, towards the tail end of the State Fair run, and it was me, Perk, and John Height, former newsman on, uh, on these airwaves, and you know, Garage Logic had gotten a lot of pub being its last run at the State Fair, mm-hmm. so we walked the 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 run from the old from the building over to the Ballpark Cafe, which is what four or five blocks, whatever. Yep. John Height got recognized 5 times. Glenn got recognized 0. It was, and I'm not joking. It was hilarious. It was very no, funny. Hilarious. And he said, "Height's getting recognized more than I am right now." It was very funny. But but truly the the closer IPA was really So is that coming back or are we going to do a different uh, different mix?
4: No, it's a new new beer. We're still working on the branding of it, but we've kind of got the recipe dialed in. We hung out a few weeks ago and kind of worked on that. So we're prototyping it now and it's going to be a great beer. So, so how
1: how sorry, jump go in. On, no, go ahead. How does does that work for you? I mean, you talked a little bit about the homebrew recipe. How do you, you know, talk about a little bit how you kind of scale it up or or kind of work with your system to make it to make it on the professional level?
4: Yeah, for this time around, we just kind of sat down and talked about what we wanted to do. And we're kind of making like a East Coast meets West Coast IPA. So we're doing some West Coast style um, brewing process stuff. With some of the things we're doing with one man mosh pit uh-huh. uh, and some of the hazy IPAs we've been doing at Surly. So we're kind of bringing both of those things to the table. And, awesome. Um, uh, honestly, it's just, it's funny. You sit down and do it and then we kind of figure out how it's going to work on our big system and, and brew. Uh, and then he comes and hangs out and throws a couple of bags of all. Well, uh, what's funny like though? Seriously though, he yeah, I, I'm in there I, he's scraping. You could
2: tell he was serious about it because yeah, he's very serious. He, he was extremely knowledgeable, uh, and, and and the fact that he he really did know what he was talking about more so than I do. I don't. I just enjoy beer. I don't yeah. know what the hell I'm yeah. and, and talking about. And he's just about. a fun guy to hang out with. Yeah. Like he
4: brought his glove last year and like played catch with some of the guys, and like it's just really fun to have That's, him around the brewery. Wow.
2: So surly was kind of a topic of discussion, you know, around around the hallways because whenever you know the folks because I'm usually down in my cave. In the podcast, uh, in the podcast world, down the hallways. So when I show up around here, they know. Oh, it's beer show night. Here's Reavers, and so they would say, "Oh, who's on tonight?" I said Surly. So I was going around the, the the cubicles, making the rounds, talking to people, and and uh, our guy Derek out here says. Well, I Surly Citra. I, this is my jam all summer long. And and yeah. literally that has become my lawn mowing beer. And I don't mean that in any way disrespectful. It's a perfect it's a perfect summertime when it's ninety five degrees outside. That's what I want is Cirley Citra.
4: No doubt. Extra citra is a wonderful beer. I mean yeah. it tastes like an IPA, but it's got a four and a half percent alcohol um, volume to it. So it's it's easy to drink in the summer. You can have two or yep. three of them during the afternoon, it doesn't ruin your day. Uh, it's a great beer. Uh, we just released that in you know six packs, twelve packs, four packs. It's in variety packs, so there's a lot of different ways to get it as well.
2: So, and I also have to give up <laughs> one more story about, about my recent encounter. I I believe I was I was at a friend's house, and uh, this friend says, "Well, he he, go, he says, well, I know you're a, you're a hazy, you know IPA kind of a guy. Have you tried the new Surly Hazy?" And I said, "Wait, what? Really? No, I I, I guess I haven't. Oh well, yeah." And then he said, "It's space." Race, space race, space race, a uh, double IPA, hazy double IPA, and so I'm drinking it, going, oh my goodness, this is this is absolutely delicious. Got towards the bottom of the can, I'm thinking, well, wow, did I have, did I just have one? Feeling <laughs> <Or did laughs> a I, little loose, a and, then I, and, I, and I turn the can to see, oh, it's over nine percent. Which you know, if I'm prepared for it, I can handle, but. First of all, what a fantastic beer. Oh, thank you very much. That, that's a great beer. It was our
4: BC Small Batch beer uh, in April, and it was so great, we decided to bring it back in May. So
2: there may be a little bit left in market. So am I going to—this is—you're telling me i got to buy it now because it's going to be gone? Yeah, if you yeah. see it, buy
4: it because it's transitioning to the next one, which is Electric Sombrero oh, of Death. Oh, man. Uh, which okay. Which brought you some cans of, and that, that's cool. a collab with Sun King. That's another big beer. Uh, it's a Imperial Mexican Dark Lager. Wow. And we aged a portion of it in tequila barrels— um, the Sun King guys are, are big spirit guys, and they do some of their beers in tequila barrels, so it, would, it made sense when we were talking about collab. And then we dry hop the rest of it with Sabro, Citra, um, and uh, Bravo Hop. So it's it's a really nice beer. The tequila is kind of a perfect level of subtlety, but it's there on the back end. Mm-hmm. Uh, you first. really hate your job, don't you? <laughs> it's rough. Uh,
0: you I was, hang out with a lot of
4: friends, make cool beers. <laughs> I, w-
1: I was really interested when I saw that you know come in actually hit the shop today mm-hmm. for us uh, at Elevated. If you want to check that out, um, but it pour- yeah, it's a it's a dark lager.
4: Yeah, it's a, it's imperial Mexican dark lager. So think Negro Modelo yeah. times like three yeah. with tequila and hops. <laughs> wow! But it tastes really light. I mean, it, it's yeah. really nice. Like it's not heavy. The alcohol's not hot. So, again, like Space Race, it sneaks up on you. So be careful, but enjoy it.
2: All right, Surly Brewing is the guest here on The Beer Show, courtesy of our friends from Elevated Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Two tastings. Yep. This weekend, yes. Friday from 5 to 7 p.m. at the Minneapolis location at Hiawatha and 42nd. This Saturday from 3 to 5 p.m. at the White Bear Lake store uh, on Highway 61 and 4th Street, downtown White Bear Lake. you got it down, man. Of course, you can always You're find so more good. information online uh, either their their website, elevatedbws.com, or their Twitter handle, at elevatedbws and at elevatedwbl. I want to transition back to uh, what you were just talking about with the, with yep. the new. Because I you know for for the longest time whether it's you know russian imperial stouts or uh barrel aged whatever rarely do i see anything aged in tequila barrels is that, is that a dumb question or, or am i just not all that familiar with the aging process no you're,
4: you're not wrong uh, indeed's done some interesting beers in tequila barrels um it's a hard one because it's it can easily overwhelm the beer if you let it sit too long. Oh, um, so
2: it's all about the timing and that? Agreed. So okay. I, f- I feel
4: like there's a little bit more art to that. And they're also just harder to come by. Um, there's not a lot of tequila barrels versus, say, bourbon or rye, which are... Um, very, very easy to get in the States. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you um, take
1: your, your Patron silver or whatever, and it's, it's not typically aged at all. Yeah. All your silver tequilas, that's the, you know, when they yep. color in the tequila is the time in the barrel.
4: And, okay. And also so. they're all, you know, they're coming from Mexico, so you have to import it into the country. So you have customs to deal mm, with, which true. you don't have to deal with most of the bourbon rye we're getting. Uh, so they're a little bit more difficult to find, but. We sourced some really nice barrels. We worked with the uh, Sun King guys to find the barrels. and So it's the Sun King tequila? So, uh, no, Sun King Brewery is, a, is oh, the I'm brewery we okay. with. So, okay. But they've got some great connections, and we kind of worked with them to uh, put in touch with the guys in Mexico that ended up How did you the
1: get in touch with Sun King, or how uh, did that come about?
4: So Clay and Dave are the founders, uh, and I've known those guys for years. Mm. Um, they've just been in the industry for a long time. They're in Indianapolis. Um, they make really good beer. They just opened a distillery. Um, just every time we go out to a festival, uh, we end up hanging out, drinking together. Uh, and we've been talking to, about doing a collab for, for quite a while. So it's nice to finally get it, awesome. uh, get it done. In a yeah. Very cool.
2: So we, we were discussing in the green room and uh, one that I know has my wife written all over it. I'm looking at the Surly grapefruit Supreme. Mm. It's, it's the summer beer of choice in my opinion yeah it's it's beer uh but it doesn't taste very see he took the words out of my mouth you made this for my wife we want to make a beer that doesn't taste like beer and yeah. that's exactly what this is it's
4: wonderful it's slightly tart i would not call it a sour beer it's not sour but it's tart uh and then we added grapefruit and it's got a wonderful fruit note to it um and it's just really light four and a half percent again so for summer uh, it's a perfect boat Super beer refreshing. perfect cabin beer yeah um the branding's wonderful the can looks really cool we first uh debuted it in the variety pack that's just kind of ending in circulation with warp zone pills and we were so happy with it uh, we decided to bring it back so it'll be back in six packs here at the end of the month just in time for 4th of July oh, also the
2: here first so this was just available in the sampler but now you're going you're going to sell it on its own yeah it, it it's We've we basically been drinking it internally. We drink
4: more than we probably should have because <laughs> uh, we shorted some distributors. But
0: <laughs> uh,
4: it's so great. We wanted to brew more and get it get it to the masses. Well, yeah, so why not? It'll right. be it's in six pack, twelve ounce cans, uh, hitting here right before the Fourth of July.
2: Now I'm going to ask a really dumb question, but that's okay. That's what I do on this show. <laughs> when when you have you know a, a brand like Surly, and you guys are not just well-known here in the Twin Cities. You guys are well-known across the country. And you see kind of the game that's being played in the craft beer industry. Is it is it easier to kind of get experimental with what you do? Or is it you have to stay true to the, you know, Furious is a brand that mm-hmm. people that's people's go-to IPA. Is it is it, a, is it a cool game that you get to play or is it a little bit more difficult? That's actually a great question. It's not dumb at all. Thank um, you. We're, we're lucky at Surly because <laughs> we still
4: have our original Brooklyn Center Brewery. So, you know, at MSP right down the street, we're brewing very large batches of our core brands. So Furious, Extra Citra, Hell, mm-hmm. Variety Pack beers our seasonals like Kolsch, uh, the Heat Slayer that came out. Uh, but Brooklyn Center is a 30-barrel brew house, and we're able to do... Uh, super fresh beers like Axe Man, One Man Mosh Pit, uh, but also kind of do a lot of R&D and experimental stuff, whether that's barrel aging, uh, doing the BC small batch beers that we're working on, um, or uh, coming up with new brands like Grapefruit. So this is made at our MSP brewery, but we prototyped it over at uh, Brooklyn Center and really allowed us the time to dial it in, to figure out what we wanted to do and experiment uh, before we scaled it up. Um, and having the beer hall helps, too, because we can get some consumer feedback um, and, and kind of trial stuff before sending it to, to you guys at Elevated and make sure that whatever we're sending you is going to be something that works versus right. just sending you something like, yeah, I don't know, we'll see how it works.
1: but uh, I mean, that's it just starts disappearing, and, and we've seen it a few times, you know, with different beers where it's like, okay, this we can't keep this in the tap room. Right. Maybe we should make some more yeah. <laughs> and it. makes sense, you yeah. know?
4: Yeah, and it allows us to pivot and do some stuff pretty quickly to having both the breweries. I mean, if we just had the one large brewery, we'd— Probably be making five beers. In now day. we
2: were we actually had a going away party just because you you guys are literally down the street from us here mm-hmm. at, at Hubbard Radio. Uh, but we had a going away party. I want to say six weeks ago, and it's the first time that I had been upstairs since the renovation oh, process, yeah. which I know was a while back. But me, I'm a dad. I got two kids. I don't have a social life. Well, so really, pizza upstairs. But man, it's is awesome. that cool? That really is that renovation is very very
4: cool. Yeah, and we got City Pages named us the number one pizza joint in Minneapolis, which oh. is pretty cool. Wow. So, I did not know that. That's very cool. High yeah, praise. It's, it's it's wonderful. It's actually dangerous for me because I work there.
2: And I'm like pizza, sure. <laughs> why not? Yeah. yeah. And grapefruit. Right? Yeah. yeah. Why, why and not every, every day. day. <laughs> yeah. Go for an extra run. But but the, but the pizza we I, it was really good, and it, you could tell it's not. You know, we're throwing a tombstone in the oven for these people. We're you're actually yeah, it's wood fire. Oh, it's it phenomenal. F- you know, if, if you've been to the beer hall, um, past or present, I think you
4: realize that we put the same effort into the menu that we do with the with the beer. Uh, so we're sourcing great ingredients. We're doing the research. We're making sure that whatever we're making is going to stand above and beyond anything you can get at, you know, most other brew pubs or even restaurants in town. I but should
2: clarify that by the way, if tombstone would like to endorse the beer show, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm happy to do it. Cause I'm a guy that driving home from a town Go baseball ahead. game at midnight, Send I will stop at the, the gas station yeah. and grab a tombstone because that, that's just what you do. So I wasn't trying to disparage tombstone in any way, just, but just yeah, saying for that for you sure. guys really concentrate on, on that quality. Yeah. So those guys did a lot of research. They travel
4: around the country uh, and the pizza's great. Wait, uh, is it,
1: New Haven style, New Haven, they, yeah, they so Connecticut. In. Yeah, so it's
4: kind of a little niche thing. It's, um, but it's great. We we cook it about, I think it's like 650 degrees, and it's a mixed wood gas fired oven. Uh, pizzas come out in you know four or five minutes. My right. my <laughs> uh,
1: my five year old still calls, or he 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 jumped on the cheese pizza. It's called Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or the Kevin. The Kevin. Yeah, they're, they're all like movie <laughs> or TV references. So yeah.
4: the Kevin's a Home Alone reference. And that's just basically the cheese, cheese pizza. But the names are awesome. There was one. They have it, a lot of
2: fun with it. It was, I, I believe it was a, a vegan style. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. And I thought, I'm not eating vegan pizza give me something with some meat I, on it i haven't had that one it, it it was good because we had our you know our, our tree hug and hippie friend jess that had to come with us and i only eat vegan but it was good i i yeah. actually enjoyed
4: it no i remember the conversations like we went out and tried all the vegan cheese to make sure we had something that actually yeah. tasted good and and also like looked like pizza so yeah. you get even on that front where it's not going to be you know a major driver of sales. Those guys still made sure to get the right. to get the right product to make the right pizza.
2: All right, we got a couple of minutes left here. Surly Brewing, the guest on the beer show, two tastings this weekend at Elevated. Uh, the Friday night tasting, five to seven p.m. at the South Minneapolis location. That's at Hiawatha and Forty Second, and this Saturday from three to five p.m. at the White Bear Lake store at Highway sixty one and Fourth Street. And you get to taste Surly Brewing beer, and you get to do it for free.
1: Yeah, not only that, it's beer of the month and people have starting to catch on that you can get really great value with beer of the month and and when we're able to do it with Surly, it kind of takes it up a notch. So we have twelve packs of Surly right now. Hell and Citra kind of the lower tier for eleven ninety nine. I mean, if you're driving home and not stopping at elevated, you're paying $13, 14 bucks for at that least. package. Uh the variety pack is thirteen ninety nine. It's crazy. That's awesome deal. Mm-hmm. You get these great beers like Supreme and and some other beers that you don't see in the in the six packs uh plus the, some of the old faithful and 1599 furious 12 packs. I mean, you just can't beat that. No. So uh, we're excited day. about that. We're going to move a lot of Surly this month, and it's it's perfect time for it because the sun's out and it's beer weather.
2: So when you guys transition now to to, to summer season, you guys are probably even ahead of that, focusing on fall now, which I hate even bringing up. Huh. But you kind of, what's that, what's ahead here in addition to the, the beers that you laid out for you guys at Surly?
4: Well, Rosé is still going strong. That's our rose in beer. Oh, yeah, beer. I forgot um, about but that. But we've got a hot pack coming out. We've got two brand-new IPAs that no one's ever tried before. Uh, one's called Dots and Loops, um, and that's a, just a awesome, easy drinking IPA with a little bit highly. Dots
2: elevated. and Loops, you yeah. said. And the okay, it's
4: cool. And then we've got more of a session uh, hazy IPA called Rocket Surgery. I, I just tasted that one down. in process today, and I'm <laughs> okay. really excited for that. When so the Dots that, and
1: Loops is a higher ABV, and it's, it's about ones? seven. Okay. Other ones
4: about, you know, I think about five. That makes five sense. and a half. Um, cool. So those will be the two next beers in the next Friday pack, and that hits again at, end of June, just before Fourth of July. Uh, we've got Stunner, which is a tropical IPA. It's oh next gosh. seasonal in a six pack. Um, that's going to be a really great beer too. Uh, Will you tell Omar to slow
2: down? I can't keep up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> what uh, was the name of the, the hazy one that you said is coming uh, out?
4: Uh, rocket surgery, and again, that's that's in the the variety pack. So make sure to pick that up, Tom. I mental note.
1: Oh, yep. Make
2: yep. make make me aware See. of this when I get in. And- <laughs> Yeah, so it's
1: comes down and then makes me do all the other <laughs> yeah. shopping. He's like, I literally. Do. Which one was that Here's one that heart. I liked? <laughs> yeah. well, I like that one, but Give that's that why outline. I go to elevated because I, I literally walk <laughs> in like a giant, service,
2: right? like yeah, like a giant dunce, and I say, Tom. Jam, what's the one I liked? And they literally know exactly what I'm talking about. So that's so, the, that's why I, that's why I go there, because they know me. We'll know exactly what you want. Come on down.
4: And then uh, speaking of fall, on Monday, uh, June 10th, we are announcing the Darkness Day event. Oh, God, so yes. I'm going to talk about the Darkness Day variants that will be available only at Darkness Day. We're going to announce the bands i think they're all uh confirmed at this point cool and we're also going to announce the 20 guest breweries that uh it's all breweries that you cannot get in minnesota so a bunch of our nice. friends oh that don't gosh. distribute
2: here will be pouring beer there so same set or same same spot yeah, as last summer set again okay, cool.
4: uh, and so monday i think it's at 4 30 or so we're gonna have a party in the beer garden over it at early so come down oh, we're gonna sweet. tap some old darkness some old darkness variants uh, and have some other surprises and, and kind of announce the whole uh, party. And
2: we're gearing out for that already. It's That's gonna so be cool. Fun. That sounds great. Um, when is when is darkness? When is the event? D- uh, the darkness dates?
4: itself? It's the last weekend of September. I believe it's like the, okay. the 29th, 28th, 29th, okay, cool. on there. But uh, Somerset will be a Friday, Saturday again with camping um last year was a blast this year's going to be 10 times better
2: and that's that's really cool and i know that that you guys you guys moved it just because it got so big for your previous space that you you literally just had to
4: yeah and i mean the old brewery was cool and if you've been out there it was a great event but um ultimately it, it really wasn't safe um people were camping in the street basically so we've got the facilities here there's bathrooms there's you yeah. know showers there's camping we've got you know somerset's got a full stage we can have Uh, guest breweries in Wisconsin. Unfortunately in Minnesota, the laws are such that we couldn't do a lot of the things that we're able to do in Wisconsin. Uh, If we could do it here, we would. Um, But we can have guest breweries. We can sell beer. We're going to do some uh, kind of BC Small Batch-like releases there on top of Darkness that you'll only be able to get there. So that's kind of a uh yeah you'll get a sneak peek of some of the stuff we're planning so awesome. it's gonna be fun so yeah come on out monday to the beer garden if if you're available
2: you're the best man thanks again yeah, thanks guys appreciate uh, it uh, that'll do it for this week's edition of the weekly beer run and as always you can find more information online at the beer show page at score north.com it's ravers it's the beer show we'll be right back Welcome back to the Beer Show here on Score North and scorenorth.com. It's Reavers. Mike Fratelloni with Fratelloni's Ace Harbor and Garden Stores. He will be back with us again next week. And it is now time to welcome in a friend. And so Juno Choi is here with us. Hello, Juno. Hello, everybody. So I want to get into a couple of things because you have... One of the most impressive beer resumes I think I have ever seen in the history of mankind. So congratulations to you for that. <laughs> Thank you. But Thank uh, you. you you are a big part of an event that uh, we are kind of uh, connected to here. And I, I want you to kind of give the oral history of that event and and then our connection to that event. So please do that for sure. us. Sure. It's called the St. Paul Summer Beer Fest,
3: and this will be our 11th year um, is this the 11th already? This is the 11th wow, year. Wow, wow. Holy cow. That, that tells you how old I am in, <laughs> in, in beer fest terms. Right. But, um, so, yeah, we started way back uh, at the Midway Stadium where the Saints used to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, a couple years after that, we moved over to uh, where we are now, which is the Minnesota State Fairgrounds mm-hmm. International Bazaar. But the crazy thing is, is 11 years ago, there was no summer beer fest happening at that time. Now you think about
2: beer festivals, we think about a lot of That's beer festivals. That's
3: incredible, exactly.
2: <laughs> wow, and now, and, and and I mean, not that it's become saturated, but literally, there's there, any any number of ones that you can pick and choose to go from. But That's, I think doesn't that speak more to the explosion of craft beer in general? Indeed, okay, indeed, definitely, definitely,
3: yeah, uh, and 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 yeah, it speaks to that popularity. But uh, Saint Paul Summer Beer Fest has always been a festival that we've. Uh, focused on craft beer, uh, we focus on the fun atmosphere of summer, and it's just a nice time to celebrate. We're all trapped in inside during mm-hmm, the winter, and mm-hmm. we need to get out and have a beer.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And by the way, uh, if you want, we're gonna, Brandon. I tell you what, let's do it right now. I have a pair of tickets to give away to the the Saint Paul Summer Beer Fest. And by the way, I'm doing it right now because I'm an idiot and I'll forget to give those away before the show is over with. But I'm I'm gonna do call number five right now to six five one. If you're outside of the Metro, 877-615-1500. That's right, a pair of tickets to the St. Paul Summer Beer Fest. It's this Saturday, the 8th, from 1 to 5 p.m. at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds, as Juno just said. And uh, you do have to pick them up here at the radio station between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. tomorrow. 651-646-8255. Caller number five. We'll get those tickets, and they will get them right now. All right, back to the uh, St. Paul Summer Beer Fest, 11th year. Going to the state fairgrounds, obviously there's there's more than enough space. Now, have we grown in terms of uh, the amount of breweries that are taking place, or have you kind of plateaued just because you don't want to? How does that work? Because I'm always curious when I've done, I've worked with, um, various uh, beer events in the past, and some people say, well, if we have too many, it's almost a hindrance to what we're trying to achieve.
3: Yeah, and I, we've gone through that progression as well, too. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head what we had at the first beer festival, sure. but it was probably like 20, 30 breweries. Right. Um, I think our mac- we maxed out a couple of years ago at over 100 different breweries. I think, wow. actually, we were the first festival to have over 100 different breweries. That's crazy. And I think we've kind of found a sweet spot around 75, 80 breweries. So okay. we, we want to provide... All the options for all the people and, 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 you know, you know, there's so many breweries these days. So Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we get a nice representation, not only of what's here locally, but all the great beer that's out there nationally.
2: Well, and I will say in the, in the number of, of, of beer festivals that I've attended, it it actually, it it really is a cool opportunity and a gateway to, to try beers. I I can't count on, on my, on both hands, how many breweries I discovered that were even here based in the twin cities, just based on beer festivals, just like the St. Paul summer beer fest.
3: That's the beautiful thing about it is the beer comes to you. So, um, I like beer. You like beer, but mm-hmm. we're not able to go to all the different tap rooms and breweries. No, it's all impossible. Across the state. So, <laughs> uh, what better way than to have the beer come from you? And I think that's the best part about going to beer festivals like St. Paul Summer Beer Fest, All Points North, all the other beer festivals. Is that um you're going to find something new. You're going to find something that you might have not thought of, and you're going to find something that you fall in love with. Are tickets still available. Tickets are definitely still available. You can go to our website at stpaulsummerbeerfest.com and get those tickets we
2: do also have a few retail locations as well too gotcha so uh give me some of the breweries that are going to be uh, going to be highlighted this weekend
3: uh, well we pretty much got a nice no jam. no pick favorites that's <laughs> what i want you to do right
2: now you pick your favorite breweries i'm kidding of course
3: well you know i would say uh there's a a, a smaller brewery down in rochester uh called forager Forager. Forager, yeah. Out of Rochester. Okay, cool. Um, So they're a great brewery. Uh, They're bringing some really awesome beers here. They kind of have a beer that's kind of got a cult following called Niller's, which is uh, their sort of... Look at it, I'm making a note. I'm writing (laughs) these guys down. You know, this is a beer that uh, all the beer geeks uh, seek after. So uh, just a nice Imperial Stout uh, with lots of vanilla character Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Um, obviously the Surly guys will be there as well. You just had them on the show. Um, they'll be doing a bunch of great beers like that. Um, we also have cider as well too, but you know, I think for us really, uh, we're having a mix of uh, classics and national brands like Bell's Brewery. They're bringing something called Wedding Ale, which is a beer that was made for one of their employees' weddings. And so uh, <laughs> luckily we know uh, Chris Freeman from Bell's, and he was able to get that beer specially over for us
2: cool. as well, too. So there's going to be a lot of great different beers. Well, and I will say this. I'm glad you brought it. It's, what did you say from Rochester? For Forager. Forager. Forager Brewery. Yeah. Because uh, as a kid that grew up in Fairwell, Minnesota, I, I like that the southern part of the state gets a little bit of love because there are some really great breweries down in that part that I don't think get as much attention, obviously, as as some of the breweries do that are here in the Twin Cities. But even, you know, you go north in the Duluth area and whatnot, the southern Minnesota has great breweries that aren't getting nearly enough attention, in my opinion. Definitely,
3: uh, you know towns like Mankato and Rochester, they've really started to become hubs for, for breweries. And, uh, you know, good for them because why should they have to come up to the cities to get beer like that?
2: Why do you think that is, by the way? Do you think it's just, is it because they're quote-unquote college towns? Or, because I don't really associate them that way. Or Why is it that that they have not, and it's not even to the game, but, but why is it that um, they haven't experienced the boom that we have here in the Twin Cities? Well, I think they're experiencing the boom
3: right now. I think you take a look at uh, places like Mankato, and rochester you know maybe five years ago there was one brewery in in those locations but now we're talking about five six seven and so i really think it's sort of uh you know being around beer uh spreads out right so uh we have a concentration of breweries here in the twin cities and so that gets people to try all these different beers and so you know it might take a little bit longer down in uh the southern part or northern part for for that to catch on but once it has you know, mm-hmm. we're seeing
2: it right now. Juno Choi is the co-founder of the St. Paul Summer Beer Fest, a, a festival that we've been tied together with for a couple of years now here uh, on the beer show. So I'm curious, Juno, I want to get your your history in, in this. And mine <laughs> is is very simple, this show. You know, I I was pretty much a domesticated beer drinker when I started doing this show seven years ago. But, you know, I, I kind of dipped my toe in the water and now I'm all in. That's, that's pretty much all I drink now. Our craft beers, but for you, you have a different path in this, and is I'm assuming you did the the homebrew route, and you you went down that path, and and, and, I, and I'm curious to get your path into this 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 love of of craft beer. <laughs>
3: well, that's exactly right. I would yeah. say probably my first job in the beer world was working for a homebrew store, one here called Northern Brewer, of course. Um, so I worked there for about ten years. So I lived and breathed ingredients, 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 and what was great is that. It really helped me develop my love of beer and also to learn what goes behind uh, making beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that was a, a great time in terms of getting to know all the different breweries that are out there today. Uh, you'd look at places like Surly. you look at places like Fulton. you look at places like Liftbridge. They were all in the shop when I was running course, the shop back yeah. in the day. So, uh, but that was really my entrance into the beer world. Of course, I had loved craft beer a little bit before that, but, uh, that really got me solidified. Um, and then now I work for a place that's called Brewer Supply Group and we sell ingredients to, uh, breweries nationwide. Um, we're down in Shakopee, Minnesota. Sure. Next to Raw Malting. And a lot of people don't know, but the largest single site malting facility in the world is in Shakopee, You're Minnesota. kidding me. I did not know that. Since, uh, you know, Maltine started in 1847, they moved to Minnesota. They were in Manitowoc, but they, Wisconsin, and they moved to Shakopee, I believe, uh, about 19,
2: about 1930. So I'm, I'm having a tough time, pick, I mean, because I, I live in, I live in Carver, and I drive through Shakopee at least, Four times a week. I'm having a tough time picturing where you guys are located in Jacobi.
3: So are you familiar with Turtles, which is sure. kind of the craft beer, absolutely uh, location over there? So yeah. uh, we're just a little bit farther down. So if you just drove a little bit down the main street over there um you will see some big grain silos and oh some, of course some, 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 that's you guys uh, of course up. I know exactly where you
2: guys are okay so I I, I want to get back to your time at Northern Brewery and um I'm gonna guess that when you were there that you hated uh, Jeff Merriman as much as I do currently
3: <laughs> Jeff was one of my employees back in the day so uh I only uh, say that by the way because I
2: know he's listening and I'm gonna get a text in about 30 seconds but no and, and you know again it, Having, you know, whether it was Bartley from Bent Bruce Stillery yep. getting a start there, all these yes. guys, it's so cool. Because I, I told Jeff years ago when he was coming on this show, I said, you guys need to do almost like what they do at Brown Institute and have the picture, you know, the Hall of Fame of, you know, Omar from Surly <laughs> Brewing got his start right here at Northern Brewer. I think that would have been super cool in a place where, people would show up and take their selfie or whatever with it. I think it would have been cool. I think that would be cool. Maybe yeah.
3: I'll... uh I'll, I'll, By the way, it's an
2: idea you can steal, by the way. <laughs> I don't care. i the historians have <laughs> been there so long. Like the Hall of Fame. <laughs> exactly. I think that'd be cool. So I I, I want to get your opinion, too. By the way, Juno Choi, uh, the co-founder of the St. Paul Summer Beer Fest, here with us on the Beer Show. Uh, I want to get kind of your opinion because I get this question, oh my goodness, at least a dozen times a, a week, just whether it's via email because a lot of people that listen to the show just are generally curious about the craft beer industry. But I'm an idiot, and I don't know anything about the craft beer industry, but that's why I have people like you on, the experts. Where do you see kind of the craft beer movement going, whether it's here in the Twin Cities, whether it's nationwide, what have you? Where do you see it going from a consumer standpoint?
3: Well, I think, you know, we really sort of open Pandora's box in terms of craft beer. So it's going to be here for a long, long time. I agree. So uh, Minnesota also has been sort of, uh, outpacing other states in terms of uh, the breweries, the sophistication, the knowledge. Um, so I definitely see that craft beer and beer industry in general—it's—it's—it's it's, it's sort of here to stay. Um, obviously, we have breweries that are doing hard seltzers and getting into all sorts of other uh, aspects. But um, I think that's what's really exciting is that consumers and brewers are starting to change styles of beers. And there's always going to be an interest in innovation. Obviously, nobody knew anything about hazy IPAs right. you know, five years ago, but um, that's what's exciting about it, yeah. right? So um, I think uh, I think there's a, a a lot of times with with beer and with all the other beverages, it's beer's always there, mm-hmm. and it will continue to be
1: there.
2: And I always equate it to with my sports loving nerds, where the NFL is quote unquote the copycat league, and not that. Nobody has an original original idea, but one brewery might see, oh, my goodness, look at this this brand of beer. And I'm just going to use Hazy IPA as an example because you nailed it. Five years ago, maybe a couple of breweries were, were doing mm-hmm. it, but then all of a sudden everyone went, holy crap, this thing's taken off. We got to do a Hazy IPA. And then I think personally that's good because it kept raising the bar of the quality of that type of beer because I guarantee if we were to go back in time – The hazy IPA that we thought was really good, which at the time was very good, we'd go, oh, well, this one's a lot better now. And I I find myself with not just that style of beer, but I find myself with every style of beer in that regard that five years ago wouldn't pass the muster today. Yeah.
3: Well, I think that's the thing. That's the thing is... Uh, Hazy IPAs, uh, the way that beer is uh, evolving, it challenges brewers. It challenges our normal way of thinking about beer. You know, we would always think about clear beer being a product of uh, consistency and technical profession, But now when we're talking about different ways to present beer, different ways to utilize hops, it's really challenging all the brewers out there and keeping them on their toes. Yeah.
2: All right. So we got just about two minutes to go here. Uh, Juno Choi is the guest with us here on the Beer Show, co-founder of the St. Paul Summer Beer Fest. I'm going to ask you a question after you tell me. Give me one more selling point of why people should join us for the St. Paul Summer Beer Fest this Saturday, June 8th, at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds between 1 and 5 p.m. Well,
3: this one's a little bit of a guilty pleasure for me because – I'm also opening a brewery later this fall. No! <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. Well, so this one's called Arbiter Brewing. We're in the Longfellow neighborhood. We're on Minnehaha, just a block uh, east of Lake. Nice. But we have a collaboration beer with our good friends over at Blackstack. So... We've got a beer called uh, Hefe Meets Hazy, so we've really taken the Hazy IPA, but no. we've combined it with a Hefeweizen, so think banana meets mango meets peach. No way. So uh, you can have your first try of that beer at the festival, along with a bunch of other first beers like Shell's new IPA as All right.
2: well, too. So because I know I'm going to get asked about this, if I'm not able to make it to the St. Paul Summer Beer Fest, will I be able to try that uh, at any point after that? You will definitely be able <laughs> to try it over at Blackstack, Okay, cool. Sure. Which, by the way, those guys are making incredible beer over there.
3: Bob and Murph are doing a fantastic
2: job. In fact, Mike and I had a pre beer show meeting over there uh, a couple of weeks back, and you know I, I'm not all that familiar with 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 that area, but my only concern is there's not enough space to park. <laughs> but but they but they they have a great space. It's a really cool, relaxed vibe, and my goodness, are they making great oh, beer?
3: Definitely, definitely.
2: Yeah. All right, So, and and tickets are still available. Give that uh, website one more time. It's
3: stpaulsummerbeerfest.com. Awesome. Juno, thanks for coming in, man. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me.
2: And uh, as we mentioned, uh, we gave away a pair of tickets earlier, but tickets are still available for this Saturday's St. Paul Summer Beer Fest at the Minnesota State Fairgrounds uh, celebrating its 11th year, and uh, that event will be taking place between 1 and 5 p.m. this Saturday, June 8th. Thanks again, Juno, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. If you missed any portion of the program, well, you can check out that podcast. But guess what? I have a really cool segment coming up right after this because it is D-Day, and uh, I found a really cool and interesting article that I would like to share with the rest of you. It's the Beer Show Live right here on Score North. And, of course, online we are scorenorth.com. In the closing moments of the show tonight, I wanted to read a column that I found this morning by a sports columnist in the Washington Post who goes by the name of Barry Straluga, a man I was not familiar with until this morning. But after reading this piece, he is now one of my new favorite writers, and I will make it a point to read everything that he puts out there. He found his grandfather's secret D Day journal. Knowing he had served, he didn't find this until after he unfortunately had passed away. But I think it's worth sharing to everyone here on the 75th anniversary of D-Day. And I'm going to read that right now. In the summer of 1992, my family gathered in central Minnesota for my grandfather's 70th birthday. We were there to celebrate William J. Svaluga, senior, father, golfer, husband, engineer, grandfather, Cubs fan, cheapskate, retiree. Seven of us joined in the celebration. Bill Sr.'s wife, Ruth, my grandmother, his two sons, my father, Bill Jr., and my Uncle Dick. Their wives, my younger brother, Brad and me. At one point, maybe between the walleye and the turtle cheesecake, the conversation hit a lull. Uncle Dick filled it with, Okay, Dad, he asked, what are you most proud of in your life? I think I half expected my grandfather to say at the time that he shot an even par 72, what could be better than that? This was chit-chat, brag about the family stuff, set up on a tee. Instead, he knocked us over with his response. He said, D-Day. I remember it as both matter-of-fact and this part of jarring to the rest of us why, if D-Day had been so important to him, and we never heard about D-Day. We knew he had been there, part of the Allied invasion of Normandy. Right then, it became apparent how little else we understood. As the 75th anniversary of D-Day approaches, I'm again aghast that I thought he could have answered anything else. And then he goes to the piece his grandfather wrote. We arrived in Plymouth, England, April 19th, 1944. In those 47 days preceding the invasion of Europe, we saw and helped prepare in our small way the greatest mass of men, material and ships in history for what was to come. For our first two weeks, we had nothing but maneuvers until we could see them in our sleep. And for a while, we began to wonder when and if that day would come. For we had built our expectations to such high levels that nothing else seemed to satisfy us. In the spring of 1944, Bill, then 21, set sail on the USS PC-568, a submarine chaser in the PC-461 class. The ship was diesel-powered, 173 feet long, 450 tons fully loaded, with room for 65 Navy men. In the weeks leading up to D-Day, the ship ran supplies and spies off the coasts of France and Belgium. The missions came at night. They were exhausting. We know this now because in July of 1944, my grandfather wrote it all down. Bill Jr., my father, stumbled upon the document in a dining room sideboard when he was high school age. But his mother caught him there, told him he wasn't to read it, and sealed it back up. My father filed away a memory of the journal he hadn't read a half-century later after his parents died within a month of each other. He was cleaning out their suburban Chicago condo. He had it in mind to keep his eyes open for the journal. And in all the Excuse me. In all that comes with separating what to keep and what to toss, there it was in what seemed to be a, a random drawer. How this manuscript came about, none of us knows. It's 16 typewritten pages, and neither my father nor my uncle ever remembers Bill Sr. typing. In passages, it's brilliantly written and remarkably self-aware. Bill Sr. wrote it, it seems, on July 11th at a rest camp in England, after the horrors of D-Day, but before his next mission to the Mediterranean. It reads like both a history book and also a movie script. It seemed fantastic as we did our work each night so close to the enemy, sometimes right under their noses, and then making a mad dash back to England before daybreak with what seemed unbelievable luck. Our days were occupied with sleep, rest, and preparation for our next mission. Why we were never interrupted or discovered by the enemy is beyond explanation. God and luck must have been with us because many of the other ships that were assigned to our squadron never came back. Our orders, when deciphered, were, if trapped by enemy, jettison ship. Jettison meaning to completely destroy the ship and material so it could not come into their possession. Our nerves were beginning to tell us of strain we were going through as each night passed. We were not allowed to go ashore during the day or mingle with anyone because of the information someone might let slip from his lips. Each night as we headed back into enemy territory and the coast of England slipped into sea, I knew that not only I, but each and every one of us wondered if we would ever live to see the break of day. This narrative wasn't the only thing my grandfather wrote during the war. There were also letters, boxes of them. My father found the letters while cleaning out his parents' attic before they moved into their assisted living condo. These were love letters in the purest form, sweet and tender. Bill and Ruth had met in Massachusetts at a roller skating rink. They were married on May 4th, 1943, at Riverside Church in New York. Ruth got pregnant that fall. My grandfather went to war the next spring. Quickly, he began writing to her, day after day of adoring and ever-ending love. From May 10th, 1944, weeks before D-Day, quote, I try to write every day we are in, darling, but I miss three or four days a week. You will know that I am at sea, so please do not worry about me. Can I tell you once more I... Can i tell you once more before i close that i love you ruthie my darling and i never shall stop so as long as i live we have received no mail as yet but hope to soon please keep writing i love you bill from july 1st 1944 weeks after d-day ruthie if i only knew that you were all right and that our son or daughter was there with you if i could hear just one little word it would relieve my mind so very much I keep thinking that something might have gone wrong. Our child is probably in your arms by this time, my darling, but until I hear that you are safe and sound, it shall seem worse than any invasion. The letters of sailors missing his wife, wondering whether he'll ever see his unborn child are heart-wrenching enough on their own. But there was another layer to this grandparent's story. During the war, my grandmother got pregnant again, this time by another man. She would give birth to a daughter. My grandfather returned to his wife after the war. The daughter would be raised by my grandmother's mother in New Hampshire. My father and his brother, my Uncle Dick, would grow up knowing this girl as their grandmother's youngest daughter, not their half-sister. As my grandfather told my dad years later, there was never a question. That's just how you handled it. My uncle in particular remembers the post-war household in the Chicago suburb of North Riverside, Illinois. As gripped by tension, dinner began nightly at 5.15 p.m. It was over by 5.30. It wasn't just the war that rarely talked about. For the most part, they didn't talk about anything. Dick remembers that one day, when he couldn't have been more than five years old, his mother opened a drawer, showed him Bill Sr.'s letters, and told him that his dad had suffered during the war. As they sat on the living room floor, the drawer opened with all those letters. Dick got the strong impression that they were private and personal, that he should not touch them, much less read them. He never did. Somehow, my grandparents' marriage lasted, and despite all they went through as a couple, they are indications that they each understood the other. Indeed, my grandmother was the only one living in that house who had a clue as to what Bill Sr. had endured. In the late 1940s and the early 1950s, the term post-traumatic stress disorder didn't yet exist. There were, though, what we would now consider easily diagnosable signs. My uncle remembers one spring when a rabbit was eating vegetables in the backyard garden. His dad threw a rock at it. He hoped to scare it away. Instead, he killed it. Upon that realization, Bill Sr. broke down, sobbing uncontrollably. The family didn't understand, couldn't understand how much death he had seen that day. Ruth had to help her husband back inside. My grandfather returned to Normandy on the 49th anniversary of D-Day in 1993, best to steer clear of the crowds that would flood on the 50th. It was just Bill Sr. and Ruth, and we didn't hear a whole lot about it. Only later did we find out that Ruth had temporarily lost track of her husband. She found him on Omaha Beach, overwhelmed and crying. In the mid-1990s, my grandfather was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, and by the turn of the century, he showed obvious signs. His hands shook, his head bowed. Mentally, though, he remained sharp for years. And by late in 2002, he was self-aware enough to know he could still travel abroad and appreciate what he saw but that wouldn't last forever. In a phone call, he made clear to my father that he wanted to go back to Normandy again. My father was enthusiastic about the idea, but had a normal question. Why? Why when he'd already been, and why was it important to go back? My grandfather's answer was simple. I owe it to the guys. And so we agreed to go. We rushed to go, to be there on June 6, 2003. Not a major anniversary, but an anniversary nonetheless. Besides my grandmother, the only key family member who couldn't commit was my younger brother, Brad. He was getting married that summer. He had showers and bachelor parties and a wedding and a honeymoon to account for. Too much time away. He had to stay home. While near Chicago for a shower thrown by friends of his fiance's family, Brad met my grandfather for our favorite activity with him, golf. Bill Sr. was the best player I've ever known. Rounds with him were nothing short of a treat. That day, Brad played nine holes. Bill Sr. rode alongside in the cart playing no shot more than a 100 yards, all he could do anymore. Afterward, they ate lunch in the patio. The family trip was upcoming, so Brad felt emboldened to ask about it. What he found was a willing conversational partner opening up about D-Day. My brother pushed further. How far offshore were you, Grandpa? Brad wondered. Bill Sr. looked out beyond the patio. You see that tree over there? It was, by Brad's estimate, maybe 50 yards away. None of us had ever considered that he'd been remotely that close to shore. He wasn't on the periphery. He was in the middle. When Brad left the patio, he called for me from the car. I think he told me, I have to figure out how to come to France. On the morning of June 6, 2003, we set our alarms for pre-dawn. Our hotel was a little more than a 20-minute drive from Omaha Beach. We wanted to be there in the sun as it rose. We wanted to be there for H hour. 59 years earlier, an hour after the sun rose, right as an inconceivably. <laughs> Massive allied force sat off the coast, poised. The USS PC-568 floated near the western edge of what would be known as Omaha Beach. My grandfather retelling of the ship's position to Brad was accurate. His distance from the shoreline was best measured not in miles or fractions thereof, but just simply yards. I remember walking around almost aimlessly together, but separate. At one point, I found my grandfather standing motionless, staring at the graves. Then the graves beyond those, then the graves beyond those. I walked up to his side and stared with him. What are you thinking about, I asked. Surely awkwardly, it was silent for a moment. We both stood there. He said simply, it could have been me, could have been me. My grandfather died in 2006. By the time he left the Navy, on November 5th, 1946, more than six years after he enlisted, he had been awarded five medals, including the World War II Victory Medal, the American Defense Service Medal, and the Good Conduct Medal. All were listed on the notice of separation from the Navy, which my uncle found after he died. The family, myself included, we had never heard about any of them. That's what this day is about, ladies and gentlemen.